Good morning. It's good to be apart together. We all know what that feels like by now, don't we? Hello from the inside. And we're all finding ways to get by. At least, I hope we are. I know for me, I've rekindled an obsession of mine as kind of a pastime, which is watching audition videos for The Voice on YouTube. I love that show. And here's why. It's because the judges can't see the person singing. So it's not about their image or their star potential. It's only about their voice. It has nothing to do with how they look, which is why I keep telling Mike Cook even he could have a chance at this show. Now, you might not know this, but there are versions of the voice in basically every country around the world. And the same thing happens over and over again. In every culture, people who don't fit the part, who don't look like they're cut out for it, step up, sing their song, and blow the world away. And we're going to play just the audio of this audition for The Voice for just 10 seconds. And I want you to imagine, as you're hearing this voice, who could be singing this song? What might they look like? Didn't see that coming, did you? A 12-year-old Chinese boy singing Whitney Houston like Whitney Houston wishes she could. I'm obsessed with this show, seeing people overcome their fear of what the world and more than likely what their friends and families and maybe even what they have been telling themselves and stepping up with strength and passion to share their voice. There's something so beautifully vulnerable and so powerfully good about it. And I believe that this has some big clues for us on where the abundant, flourishing life that we all want and that Jesus promised us, where it comes from and where it leads to. Last Sunday, we talked about Storyline's dream to become a September 10th community, the kind of community that invites and includes everyone to belong before you believe, no matter what you believe, before there's a 9-11 or a pandemic, in our lives. And this morning, I'd like for us to consider the possibility that we can only grow into that. We only become a community like that when we are encouraging and supporting one another to find and share our unique and essential voices with the world. You know, in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, it says over and over again that as God created different things, he declared them to be good. But it's only after he creates human beings that he says, this is very good. Now, this is really important for us to see because, see, there, there is a wide gap between how the world generally sees humanity and how Jesus does. In the world's view, we're just one of many occupants in this world, of this universe, no better than any other part or piece of nature. In fact, in some views, Human beings are the worst part of nature. One author says it like this, humanity is a disease, a cancer on the body of the world. Now this sentiment is repeated by many thinkers and philosophers. It's numerous in popular books and in films that human beings are a virus that in fact are destroying the earth. But according to the Bible, it's exactly the opposite. Theologians have referred to the humanity as the pinnacle 
of creation. In other words, far from being just one part or just one piece of nature, of the physical world, according to the Bible, we are the reason that the physical universe exists in the first place. Unlike any other part or piece of the natural universe, human beings are made in the image of God. We possess something sacred. Now, there are many ways to describe the profound mystery of the image of God and just what it means for us to have that. But one way, I think, to describe it or to get at it, how God made us, is to think of it this way. God gave us his heart. In other words, we, we possess a divine design. Made in the image of God, we possess a heart like God's. This is the natural, initial, like the primordial reality of the human condition. And Genesis actually goes on to describe what it looks like to live out this image of God. And this is what it says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Now, our desire for family, for community, for nations, our love of nature and animals and art, these desires are all like a natural outgrowth of the image of God, of God's heart within us. Now, this is often referred to in the Bible, or I'm sorry, this is often referred to as the Bible's cultural mandate. Uh, We are invited and inclined to carve out of the chaos of nature a place for human beings to thrive and to flourish. And God did not just create creatures when it comes to human beings. He created what we've called in the past co-creators. God makes wheat and we make bread. God makes trees and we make houses. God makes animals and we give them names and care for them. We are co-creators, or maybe you can think of it like this. We are culture makers. The New Testament the Bible goes even further when Jesus tells us to love God and love each other. This is known as the great commandment. And he also takes this, um, it also tells us to take this news, the cultural mandate, to create, and the great commandment to love to the ends of the earth, to embody and extend this grace that God has given us. And this is known as the great commission. The point is, we have a a divine design and desire to create, to care, and to share, to make our mark to make a difference, to participate and contribute to what Jesus came to do, which is to love the world right again. So our question is, how do we find and live out our divine design? Well, the Bible says that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. And that's a verse that we talk about quite a a bit because this means that Jesus is not only the object of our faith, He's also the best role model of it. Jesus lived by faith. So it makes sense to look at how Jesus lived and how he found and lived out his divine design. I think 
we probably all remember the film The Sixth Sense. It was this huge hit by director M. Night Shyamalan, and he followed it up with a film that really didn't do very well. It was a film called Unbreakable. And it's the story of a man played by Bruce Willis who um, figures out as his life goes, up, goes on that he can't get sick. In fact, he's never been sick. He's never been hurt. He's never been injured in any way. He is, in fact, unbreakable. And at first, this is really confusing to him. He has no idea what's going on. And then he arrives at this place where he asks himself a, a very important question. What do you do when you realize you're unbreakable? And he is told, go to where the people are. And in a scene that is unfortunately too R-rated to show this morning, this morning, he goes into a crowded subway station and he holds out his hands in what I think is this very symbolic gesture. And as he's walking through this crowd and, and people are brushing up against his hands, he realizes that because he's unbreakable, he is now free to love. And he begins living that way. His life takes on that mission. And you see, Jesus, because he is unbreakable, is free and empowered to come to us, his children. And he is free and empowered to do whatever is necessary to seek our best interest with no concern for his own. This is how he lived out his divine design. He had faith that ultimately he was unbreakable. But that's not all of the story. If we continue to look at the life of Jesus and how he lived out his, his faith, in doing so, this great paradox emerges. Because what happens is when he's living out his divine design by coming to us to love us, his heart, God's heart, is broken. So Jesus, by going to people, to, is, what we're seeing is that he is the unbreakable, broken God. That is how Jesus found and lived out his divine design. His unbreakable strength coupled with his broken heart. And I think we can learn so much from that for ourselves. Which really changes our question a little bit to, not from how did he find and live out his divine design, but how can we find and live out our divine design? And I think there's a number of ways we can do it, but one author says this, do that in which your heart beats the fastest. And I like that. In other words, follow your strengths. Like, you know, there's a, there's a whole host of gurus and self-help books and websites and tests that you can take that will help you discover, like, what it is that you're really good at. You know, uh, and that's a great place to start. You know, what are you really, really good at? What are you doing when your heart beats the fastest? What is your strength? Now, for me... That was always basketball. Now, don't take, it, don't take that wrong. I wish I meant as a player. But early on, I realized that one of my coaches was right when he described me as small but slow. And that, that's not a compliment. And even um, before my incredibly mediocre playing days were over, I knew that basketball was still a strength for me 
but probably not as a player. It was going to be as a coach. If you saw me play, it was kind of like the voice. Like, I didn't look the part. I didn't look like I was cut out for it. But I didn't know the game. So as a coach, I thought that could be a way that I could like live into my strengths. There is, however, something more to this. There is more to finding our divine design than just following our strengths. I mean, when we look at the life of Jesus, he didn't just do that. We see this other aspect of his life. And the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. In other words, he was on a very important mission. He often spoke with deep emotion about the brokenness of people in his life or the brokenness of general in general in the world and he was moved to tears by the pain and suffering of the world and of his friends one time he actually stood over the city of jerusalem on some kind of lookout point and he looked down upon it and he said just filled with emotion to the people of jerusalem how i long to gather you under my wings in other words jesus found his divine design not just by following his unbreakable strengths, he also followed his broken heart. So what are your strengths and what breaks your heart? One day in the Oval Office, the first President Bush was asked by his biographer to read aloud a letter that he had written before he was president about his daughter his daughter who had passed away when she was only three years old. And the president agreed, but as he read the letter, he got very emotional. And he was finishing up reading the letter, and his chief of staff walked into the Oval Office, saw the president crying, and he confronted the biographer and asked him, like, why did you ask him to read that letter out loud? And President Bush said, it's okay, I'll, I'll tell you why because you can't know a man's heart until you know what breaks it. Do you know what breaks your heart? It is not just our unbreakable strengths that lead us to our divine design. It's also our broken hearts the writer Frederick Buechner put it this way, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. He goes on to say that you might be really good at writing ads for deodorant, but that may not be the place for you. In other words, it can't just be about your strengths, but then he adds that the world really needs doctors and refugee camps. But if you hate every minute of it, you probably aren't doing anyone any real good there. It can't just be about the world's needs either. We need to discover our divine design by following our unbreakable, broken God. That is what passion is, where our unbreakable strength meets our broken heart. Passion is actually a word that comes from a Latin word, paseo, and it just means to suffer. What breaks your heart? What are you strong enough for and broke enough, broken enough about that you're willing to suffer for it? That is your passion. 
And I can tell you right now that I never envisioned myself doing this. I didn't plan on it. I never would have guessed it. I didn't prepare for it. I mean, what I'm saying is, is when we step up to ask the question, what's my divine design? How do my strengths and, and my brokenness combine to create my passion for loving the world right again? When we ask that question, we might be very, very surprised where life might take us. You might not look the part. You might not think you're cut out for that. But that doesn't mean God hasn't given you an incredible voice to share. Which brings us to our last question. How do we get started? I mean, once we have some inkling of what our strengths are and, and how and where our heart breaks, what comes next? And I know that this is going to sound a little bit like an answer, but it's really an answer that begs just a whole set of more questions. The only way to get started, or the usual way to get started, is to lead. Now, leadership is a very popular topic nowadays, right? I mean, there are podcasts on it. There are all kinds of classes you can take on it. Amazon.com, as of yesterday, is selling 173,072 books on leadership. There are leadership conferences, coaches, gurus, experts. There is no shortage of information on leadership. Years ago, Storyline had just started. In fact, I don't even know if we had a name yet. And a few of us were sitting around uh, my kitchen table. And we were talking about how are we going to lead this thing, whatever this is. And I was giving them my considered opinion. And it was really, really good stuff. I mean, top-notch stuff on leadership. And my daughter Jenna was sitting at the end of the table coloring. And she interrupted, and out of nowhere, she just blurts out, going first. And I said, Shh, Jenna, if you're going to sit here, you, you can't do that. You can't interrupt Daddy, okay? We're having a very important meeting. It's just going first, Daddy, she says. I'm like, Jenna, I don't, we don't know what you're talking about, honey. We're, we're talking about something really important. And then she kind of sat her crayons down and exasperated, looked at me, and she said, Daddy, you asked, what does it look like to lead? It just means going first. And then she picked up her crayons and started to color again. And the three of us adults sitting around the table just looked at each other, and we knew that God had just spoken to us through this little girl. See, we were trying to figure out how to get other people to go first. But that isn't leading. That is, by definition, following. We are designed by God with strength and with passion to have his broken heart for something or someone. And if we'll follow our broken heart, it will eventually lead us to the place where we will have to go first. Now, some of you know this because you have come to me with a great idea, like something that's burning within you, and you're like, Mike, we really should try this. And because this is a September 10th community in permanent discovery mode, always seeking to unleash leaders to lead, my response usually goes something like this. Oh, that's a great idea. How can we help you do it? That is how we get started. That doesn't mean that we need some title or some position. It doesn't even mean that we need permission. 
it doesn't mean that we'll have all the answers. We just see what needs to be done, and then we go first. When Storylines community groups take turns helping John and Mark and John and Dale and, and Kelsey set up on Sunday mornings, hours before the rest of us arrive for a gathering, they're leading. When Alan and Brian and Dave count the money that's been given, they're leading. When Marcy and Ryan and Martha and Heather greet families at Kidport, at the Kidport airplane in the mornings, when Micah teaches the little kids in Kidport, they're leading. And when Joss and, and, and Judd and Dan or Amy teach the middle schoolers, they're crazy. Look, we can all lead in some way. Years ago, two young men came to me with an ambitious dream for Storyline, something they were willing to lead and they were very serious about it. And it ended up being so inspiring. We made our very first video about their passion. I love that video so much. Leading is always about offering ourselves, sharing our voice, regardless if we think we look the part or if we're cut out for it or not. It requires a faithfulness to our divine design, to our unbreakable strengths and our broken heart, to the passion God has given us. And finally, it means overcoming our deepest fear, which is not what we think it is. One author put it brilliantly like this. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in every one. And as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. We were created by the heart of God, with the heart of God as co-creators, to be his heart in the world. We were made by the giver of life to give our life. That is our divine design. You know, people ask me all the time, Mike, like, what's the goal? What, what's the plan for storyline? And I always tell them the same thing. I have no idea. Because we aren't designing something we are discovering someone, God and each other, because we are discovering the heart of God as he has scattered it upon the earth in eight billion precious broken pieces. So it's through following the passion of storyline, of storyliners that we take one step at a time in putting God's heart back together into finding God's design for us. And as we do that, 
something truly incredible and miraculous happens. We all begin to hear Jesus' voice calling out to us to bring it, to share our song. You know, there's another name for divine design. It's also known as our calling. And calling is derived from the Latin word vocare. We get our word vocation from it. And it literally means, you ready for this? The voice. And we all have one. And we all have a song to sing. Where does your unbreakable strength meet your broken heart? This is the question that activates the abundant life Jesus is offering us. Because it is right there where God's heart will sing his song through us. I will always love you to a world desperate to hear his voice in ours. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time and this opportunity to be apart together. And we thank you for creating us um, in your image with your heart beating in our chest with your divine design. God, I pray that you would help us to hear your voice and to sing it through our lives. May that be our mission individually, and may that be what's true for us as a community here at Storyline. I pray that as we log off this morning, that you would help us to grow and remain open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to join us on the Zoom call uh, afterwards, you can scroll down and hit the button and log in. Thanks.